Well, good morning, everybody. And, and apologies for those of you who were expecting Alvis to be here. Alvis, if you're watching, uh, we hope you get well soon. Uh, it was a slightly earlier start to the day than I was planning um, to prepare for this this morning. The reading today um, is from Luke chapter 2 and at verse number 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that is uh, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Amen. May God's word uh, touch our hearts uh, this morning. So what we're going to be thinking about today is uh, the good news that Simeon uh, brought to, to Mary and Joseph about, about their child. And that, of course, is the most basic point about the Christmas story that we've been trying to emphasize over these last few weeks. It's the, it's the good news, the, this greatest of all news uh, that circles the birth uh, of Christ. So much so that everything that then succeeds and proceeds from here, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, his resurrection, his coming again, it all subsequently just becomes known as the good news, as the gospel. And it, and it almost doesn't need any other explanation. This is the gospel of all messages that have good news. This is the one. I, I, I thought about that a little bit yesterday when, when the Queen's speech came up. And um, we watched it later. <laughs> and um, it just says, the Queen. Now we know that there are many queens. But as far as we're concerned, the Queen needs no other introduction. She is the Queen. This is the gospel that we have here, uh, the greatest news about our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is good news for everybody. It's uh, sometimes 
difficult to, to get beyond the fact that uh, Christmas is not just mainly for the children. Uh, of course, we love that sense of innocence and joy and wonder that the children have. But the point about this incident here is that this is, a, this is an old man. Uh, and then it runs on to another incident, uh, verse 36, of an old 84-year-old lady. We have Simeon, we have Anna, and they equally have a sense of wonder as they're exposed to this greatest of all news about uh, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are three parts to the the incident that I I just want to uh, bring to your attention. We've got three words that hopefully will help you just remember the points. We have what I'm going to call the presentation and, and then we're going to talk about Simeon's prayer. And then we're going to talk about Simeon's prophecy or prediction as far as the, the, the child is concerned as well. So first of all, let, let's think about the first few verses that we read that we're, we're calling the presentation. There's a little bit of kind of background and timeline that needs to be understood here. Um, there are some customs that are mentioned here that we need to be aware of as well. So what has happened is that eight days, you'll see that in verse 21, after the birth of Christ, the child has been circumcised. That was the custom. It was something that highlighted the covenant that the descendants of Abraham, the Jews, entered into with God to be their God. They would be his people. Christ was circumcised after eight days. Now, what happens next takes place a further 33 days after that. Now, you'll know that because if you go into the book of Leviticus, chapter uh, 12, it gives the whole background to these purification rituals that have to be undergone. So what basically was happening was this, that um, after a child was born, slightly different for boys compared to girls, but for boys... 33 years, 33 days afterwards, the child had to be taken up to the temple and a sacrifice had to be made on behalf of the mother that ceremonially purified or cleansed the mother so that she could come back into normal society again. Now, it's not to say that somehow or another that uh, she was defiled by childbirth. But what it did mean was this, that every child that was born into the world, Jewish parents were actually being reminded that each child that was born was born with sin. Even at that stage, as part of their life, they're born with sin. And there will be the need for purity. There will be the need for cleansing and atonement because of even that. Now, of course, the great paradox is that this child that has been born has no sin. This is the sinless Savior who who will come to be the atoner of all sin. And yet, they observe the custom, nevertheless. Now, the second thing that is mentioned in the passage, uh, at verse number 23, as far as a second custom, that this was... Um, to be a presentation because every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Now this takes you back to Exodus 13 after the Passover, the great deliverance from Egypt. And what happened there was that the firstborn son was saved 
because the Passover lamb was killed in his place. And ever after that, God said, because the firstborn was saved, every firstborn son, every single one, needs to be brought up and presented towards me, and they will be devoted to me. And this is what was happening. This was part of the presentation, the second part of the custom that was taking place here. Christ, the ultimate Passover lamb, who would be the lamb of God, nevertheless, as the firstborn, is presented in the temple. And the third point I'd like to just pick up is that there were a few options that were given to them as far as the purification rituals. You get this again in Leviticus 12. Um, you could, for instance, offer a lamb for your, uh, your sacrifice. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you were poor, if you couldn't afford that, then you were giving this facility that we have here and it says that you could give a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons instead of a lamb. And, and it just gives an insight into the poverty of Mary and Joseph. That when they went up and they, they looked round about and uh, what can we bring as, as our offering here. Um, they rummaged around in their pockets and you know there wasn't enough to buy a lamb. So it's just going to be the turtle doves or the two pigeons for, for what we can offer to God. And this poor young couple, the poverty... And, uh, of course, we're reminded about that at Christmas, that the one who was rich for our sakes, he became poor so that through his poverty we might ourselves become rich with the riches of salvation. So that's the background. That's the kind of presentation as they traveled a short distance from Bethlehem up to Jerusalem to present Christ in the temple before the Lord. Now, the interesting thing is this. Is that just at that moment of presentation, as they walk into the, the courts of the temple, uh, there are other people, of course, who are walking around as well. And, and, and this man, Simeon, is there. He's an old man. And the point that's made about Simeon is that by God's spirit, it had been revealed to him that, that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's anointed, the Lord's Christ. That uh, he would be alive when the Messiah would be born and step onto the, the stage of history. And uh, perhaps every day he walked into the temple courts and looked around and thought, maybe it'll be today. You know, maybe as the years rolled on, uh, uh, at times he was thinking, will this, will this really happen? But God's Spirit had revealed this to him. And we don't know exactly how this took place, that when he looked at this young couple with this child... It suddenly dawned on him and he realized that, that this is the one. It says about him here that he was waiting, a uh, lovely phrase, for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Israel to be consoled, to be comforted. And that comfort and consolation would come in the person of an individual. Not in a general sense, but through an individual. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he suddenly realizes that, that this is the one. Now, this wasn't random. God's spirit directed him. God's spirit had told him. God's spirit filled him. And that's how he understood. Now, we believe in that, don't we? I mean, even the fact that, uh, you know, 
We are not in France as we were meant to be in France today until the borders were closed. Alvis isn't here today, but we're all here today. You know, that's because God's Spirit has, has designed that. And we're, we're here to particularly be in His presence and to think about Christ and to think about this message. And so it is the specificity of us understanding that here we are, designed, ordained by God's Spirit this morning to think about this passage and to embrace Christ, hopefully, as, as Simeon embraced Christ. That's God's Spirit moving among us. So let's come to the second point. Because he's going to pray. He goes up to the, the, the couple and he, and, he, and he takes the child, just over a month old, takes the child, the old man, into his arms. And as he looks into the face of Jesus, uh, he begins to pray to God. And, and this is what he says. There's, a, there's two or three things I just want to, to draw out of this. He says, Lord, you can now let your servant Depart in peace, because my eyes have seen your salvation. He's basically saying, I, I can die now quite happily. I, I can die with a sense of, of peace now in my heart, because everything has come together. All the, the prophecies have been fulfilled. This, this is it now. He is here, and I know what that means. And, and I myself am holding him, and I can see him. And, and with a sense of peace, I can now die because of the magnitude of what has happened today. Now, dying in peace it is not always the case for people. And many people, of course may not die in peace because of the nature of their illnesses. But I, I'm really talking about this morning peace in, in a person's heart. And, and many people don't realize that they do not have peace with God because they have lived and they die ignorant of the gospel of Christ. But here we are this morning just to be reminded of that again. That we die in peace only when we embrace Christ by faith. I was just reading earlier on in the week. I'm just going to read these to you. You may want to turn to them. The words of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, as he brought his initial message to his disciples. And just picking up on a, on a couple of points. Um, he talked, for instance, of, of people who were angry all the time. Matthew five twenty two. He says this whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And then at verse thirty of that same passage he talks about people whose lives are characterized by impurity and lust. He says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. People who go into hell, either through anger or lust that has not been dealt with, 
do not die in peace. People who go to hell do not die in peace. And so we come with the message of the gospel. The message that Simeon recognized. A man who now says that I can depart in peace because I have Christ. And I see Christ by faith. Later on in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the easy life. The easy way that everybody, everybody walks that leads to destruction. Rather than the narrow, hard way. The way that is Christ and Christ alone. So he talks about departing in peace. Paul, who, if you were listening, was mentioned in the, the reading that Phil gave about the death of, of Stephen. He was the one who consented to the death. And they put their cloaks at the feet of him. When he was converted and he wrote to the Philippians, he was able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can die in peace. It's gain for me now because I have Christ. He says, let me depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, it's something that's so personal for him. You know, I with my own eyes look on Christ. I hold him in my own arms. And it's good for us again just to bring this very personal perspective to responding to God's message and God's son. Have I embraced Christ by faith? Do I look on Christ by faith? Um, have I experienced his salvation for myself? That he is my saviour. And a personal sense because it's for whoever that calls on the name of the Lord that they can be saved. And then the third point is that there is this prophecy or prediction. He, he turns away from prayer and he turns towards Mary and Joseph. And he says certain things about the child. God's spirit has revealed this to him. And so he's able to give this insight looking down the years as far as his prediction uh, as far as Christ is concerned. And this is what he says uh, to them in verse 34. First of all, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. This, this child will be like a touchstone. And depending on the attitude that people have towards him, one of two things will happen. You will either fall or you will rise. Now, now that is a, that's, a, of course, a principle that still applies for us. Depending on our attitude to Christ, if we, if we stand with Christ, if we are sympathetic to Christ, if we have belief in him, and if we confess him, we will rise. We will stand before God alternatively if we are unbelievers if we dismiss him if we are antagonistic if we reject him we will fall Christ is the touchstone he, he is the litmus test of whether we rise or whether we fall and of course that's, that's what we've got in, in our hearts 
just determined today because this child is set. He's determined for the rising and for the falling of many. And then he says this, second point, and for a sign that is opposed. He will be like, he will like, be like raising a standard, you know, a standard that almost is a rallying call for people to gather round about. But in fact, that sign, that, that banner, that standard is, is attacked. It's opposed. And, and that's what this child will be. That's my prediction. He will be a sign that is going to be opposed. Now, now we know that that, that was the case. I mean, I was talking about the timeline earlier on. I mean, what takes place just now is before the slaughter of the innocents by Herod. And it's before the family have to flee in Egypt. But even at that stage, he was opposed and attacked. And he would be, during the entire course of his life, relentless criticism an attack particularly by the religious authorities and we know that that all found its culmination in his crucifixion his total rejection away with him we don't want this man to reign over us the death of Christ upon the cross he will be opposed and so even at this stage 30 odd days of old of age the death of Christ is being mentioned. And of course that's where everything has to come to. It is the death of Christ. This is where true purification can be made. This is where people can depart in peace from. Their understanding of Christ's death for our sins. The need for atonement. And for me to have belief in that. He will be attacked. He will be opposed. He will die upon the cross and then thirdly what he says is this he says to Mary that a sword will pierce through your own soul also I mean I've often thought of the fact that that little word also is is, is put in there Christ's soul would be pierced wasn't just his physical suffering on the cross It was the agony of soul when he was made to be sin for us. That's why there were the hours of darkness. That's why there was the cry that came out of the hours of darkness. My God, why have you forsaken me? That horrific experience of being made sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God in him. But also you, Mary, you will experience something must have been awful to stand at the cross and to hear one of the seven sayings of Christ. He looked at Mary and he said, Mary, he said, behold your son. You know, she must have thought of that boy. All the things that she had treasured in her heart over the years, things that had been said by Simeon, by the shepherds, by the angels that were so precious to her. She looked with wonder on the unfolding of his ministry. She believed when some of the other members of family didn't believe. And then to see him upon the cross and a sword piercing 
her soul with the, with the anguish and the pain of that experience, Mary. And yet, here they are at this point. Many hearts will be revealed by this child and by the attitude that people have to him. So here we have this old man then, rejoicing in the good news of Christ, the Christ that he held in his arms. And so it comes to us today, uh, this St. Stephen's morning, to ask ourselves, like Simeon, do I hold Christ close to my heart? Do I embrace him? Do I look upon him with a sense that I can, if it, if it came to it, could depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. Let's think of these words of Paul again today. See if we can take them to our own heart that for me to live is Christ and to die would be gain because I have Christ. Now may God bless his word to us. We'll we'll pray and then we'll sing our final song. Lord, how grateful we are for the Lord Jesus. How grateful we are um, for the best news of all about a saviour who can save his people from their sins. And like Simeon did, we make our prayer that we might embrace him, that we might look upon him with the eyes of faith and to see your salvation and to know that we can depart in peace because we have seen him. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you today. We give to your worship as we ask in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen.